Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Rowan, did you catch the end of that Duke-UCF game yesterday? Yes, I did. Uh, I watched the tournament all weekend. Overall, it was a really terrible first four days of the tournament. I think it's been one of the worst in worst. years. Disgusting. So really. many blowouts. I mean, obviously, that was a big, fun game down to the wire, and you had to feel bad for Central Florida, even if you took Duke in your bracket, because they kind of had it. There were a couple bad calls against them. Barrett definitely pushed off on the rebound. You could see it. Zion pushed off. That was an offensive foul, too, at the at the end. Yeah, you know Duke's going to get those calls. But still, yeah. Central Florida had the opportunity and had two baskets. The ball roll out of the rim down the wire in the final seconds. But, yeah, I was just I was just disgusted. It was like sitting there and like the first, I think it was, was it yesterday? The first two games of the day were good. Or was that Saturday? No, yesterday was good. Well, Tennessee was winning by like 18, and then right, they and almost then blew down. it. Right. Yeah, they were terrible. But No, it was you, Saturday. Saturday, the first two games were good. I'm like, all right, we're going to get a good day. And the rest of the day sucked. I know. But, you know, UCF, man, Johnny Dawkins, I, I don't know how far back you go with Duke basketball, but he was like Tommy Amaker and Johnny Dawkins were the first two guards that Krzyzewski had that, that propelled him into being who he is. Right, they were like his first two guys with Jay Billis and Mark Allery, great players. And to see him to go up against his mentor and his son, that tipping dude, ninety-eight times out of a hundred, that shot goes in. You know the oh, one at the, yeah. the very at the end. Definitely, oh. I know. It you practice that shot in basketball. We used to practice that in high school basketball. That's a shot shot you practice those tippins. Yeah, it was crazy. Like you just sit there and you watch the replay, and you're like, "How did that not go in?" At least one of them, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of tough to see, and there was some locker room post game footage. Crying, did you see them crying? The yeah, yeah, dude. yeah, they were all crying. And by the way, Taco Fall, there were some bad calls on him. I mean, I can't, I, I can't blame the refs for that. I will say this about the tournament: I think the the best sixteen teams are in there, and any one of these sixteen teams can win. I don't think anyone is better than any other. I got to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I mean, a lot of chalk, which, I mean, we basically have the top three seeds in each region advancing, and then, what, a five and a 12? So a Yeah, lot but Oregon's a pretty good team. They won the Pac-12. They're a well, good Well, they got team. hot late in the year, yeah. yeah. I mean, the right. Pac-12 wasn't a good conference this year, but, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of chalk. So if you were picking a lot of upsets, you're not in good shape. Which is what I did on our Scout March Madness tournament. I think I did. I did two of them, and I did have. Yeah, I did reach a little bit on like New Mexico State, a couple eleven and twelves. Just, a, I mean, obviously it's a draft, so you know the one, two, and threes are all going to go in the first twelve picks anyway. Right, but after my third pick, I went all. I started to take long shots, dude. I just literally went with all twelve seats. Well, I think yeah, I think in that it's in that format, it's kind of worth it just in case one of them does make a run. So obviously those that got Oregon obviously are. 
feeling pretty good right now because they get technically, you know, two, actually one upset, right? Because yeah, yeah uh, played a 13. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I just only got one upset and not two. That's really pathetic. But it's, uh, no, I'm with you. I think that the, this rest of it could be good. And I don't think that it's going to be a Duke UNC end. I could be wrong, but I think Houston could win. I think, you know, Gonzaga, any of these teams can get there. But I do think I agree with you. The first weekend was just kind of blah. It really was, and I invested like so much time in it and made sure to be around and watch it, and there were just so many games like, all right, this is a blowout. Let me switch to the other one. Oh, that's a blowout. Okay, let me switch. Oh, this is a blowout. Okay. Oh, boy. I was just hoping. Uh, I mean, uh, we got a couple, a handful of good games, but really very underwhelming. And I, I actually thought that Tennessee-Iowa game was disgusting because yeah, Tennessee was. was winning handily. And I know. then he, they literally, if I don't know if you watch this, they were giving the ball to the guys from Iowa. They were handing them the ball. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, I kind of tuned away, and then I, because I was drafting, and then I, you know, I just had it on the TV, and I'm like, oh, it's a blow. And then I look up, I'm like, oh wow, that was a competitive game all of a sudden. Yeah, it was crazy. And then I, I mean, because I have Tennessee going pretty far, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. They're going to be out now. I mean, they still may go out to Purdue, but at the same time, I think Tennessee could end up being in the Final Four. I don't think Virginia's that good or Purdue's that good. Yeah, Virginia for had that early scare. I was like, get out of here. Are they going to lose two <laughs> years in a row to a 16? I mean, we kind of knew there was a lot of time left, but that would have been that would have been something because a lot of people just, as good as Virginia has been, people were just like, I'm not picking them to go far. They do this every year. They always choke, and uh, they it had the makings of that for a little bit, but uh, they, they turned it around. All right, so I was at a league this week, which I wasn't in, a, a draft on Saturday, Adam. It's a league that I'd been in for like 10 years, and I finally quit because the rules suck. And I made my way out. I've been in the league like five years. And my friend drags me into this back to this league. So he drafts the team, and there's, a, there's another fight, supposedly, that breaks out at the very end of the draft. So here's the stupid rule. That, this, rule this league is filled with stupid rules, but I think this may be the dumbest. If a guy is not on a major league roster... By the time we draft, you can't draft him, right? He's not eligible to be drafted. So, like, Pete Alonzo was not eligible to be drafted. Then what happens is occasionally if you call up a guy and you find out then people can argue it at the moment he's not on a roster, and then, then they stop the draft and they go look him up on the roster and see if he's there. Well, it seems like what happened was, because, I, like I said, I wasn't there, two guys put nominated guys at the end and there was like a blowout and now there's literally a string of 47 emails and you know you when that happens when it gets 47 emails in your box and you really don't care about any of them about what to do in the future about how to handle these these things why can't you just draft anybody you want in drafts why do there have to be like notations about who's eligible or not i just think the restrictions are ridiculous yeah i I don't have that in my league. You could draft anyone you want. In fact, people get mad because there's one guy in my league who will just load up on minor leaguers. And I, I'm, trying, I'm looking at them like, you guys act like this is a problem. Like, the guy has, like, at least six or seven minor leaguers right now who are not in the majors. This is a daily format. So he, he's hurting himself. Now, he could be using it as trade bait or whatever. But, you know, for me, I'm looking to win this year. I don't, I'm not looking to stash these cheap minor leaguers trying to win now so i need to add bats and pitchers who are going to be there every day so to me he's hurting himself but you should let everyone have the option of making that choice uh and especially now when you're like i mean to say that pete alonzo you can't draft him i mean it looks like he's going to make the roster i mean they already said uh, i think callaway said that as long as 
Alonso is in the lineup, he's probably going to hit two while Jed Lowry is out. So basically they're indicating, and he's still with the team, that he's going to be there. So is it official yet? No. No, but, but, but it's presumed. So it, what makes it even worse, though, let me, let me finish this one. You get $100 of free agent budget, right? And so a guy like Pete Alonso or Eloy Jimenez, and let's just say there's some people in our league with, with the initials MC that might work for the Fantasy Sports Network in case he's listening. He will bid 87 of his $100 on Aloy Jimenez when he gets called up. And I don't blame Mr. MC for doing that because he will do that because he's like the best player out there. But at that point, it skews free agency. So I'd much rather him be able to be drafted for $10, $12 than free agency be affected. Yeah, and I can't blame them for spending that much money too. So I think it's just a rule that needs to be changed, and I, I guess – if I was the commissioner, I'd put it up for vote, or I got to think. Most every year it goes up for a vote, and every year it gets voted down. Really? Yes. I don't know it's why. It's because these guys don't like changing rules. It's like, they, it's like they all wear Benetton sweatshirts and Jordache jeans, and they haven't changed the rules since 1982. Yeah, I think you got to change the rules. I mean, it's so stupid. We know him and his, if he's not up day one, which we think is possible now, that he signed that contract, we know he's going to be up quickly. It's not about service time anymore. Alonso, more than likely, going to start the season with the Mets. I mean, he's had a great spring. He's in the lineup again today. I mean, the season starts Thursday, and he's in the lineup today. So what does that tell you? So you got to. I think you got to change the rules. And then you got too many technicalities that you have to worry about. Well, he's technically not on the roster. You know, it's just too much. It's like you need to eliminate that. Let people bid on who they want. You know, let it be free reign in, in, on, on draft day. I see no. it happens in the high-stakes leagues. You could draft whoever you want. Exactly. Now, I, I could even get behind a rule if the guy's been sent to the minors. I could get behind that. But if Alonzo's nowhere, well, let, let, me, let me vote. Let me bid so on him. So you have no problem then Nick Senzel, okay, fine, he's in the minors. Right. If he's in the minors, if you, I, I mean, I would prefer to be able to bid on him. Right. But if you wanted to make a rule that said if the guy's been designated to the minors that you can't, I could live with that too. But I mean, because I, I, I told my partner, I said, dude, get Alonzo, whatever it takes, just get him. And then he goes, we couldn't bid on him. I'm like, what? I, that didn't even make sense to me. Just didn't even make sense. Yeah, I don't like that rule either. Uh, it's it's just not it's not right. And you know, you could have an official news break during the draft too. Then then what are you going to do there? What well, if someone right. what if someone early just says that's hey, it happened though, Jonathan? And then they Mo say no, and then like news breaks, and then you have like hardly any money left, and then oh, Alonzo is making the roster. I put him up for bid. I mean, you can't, it's so stupid. But that happened, Jonathan Loisinga. He got dropped down in the middle of the draft. What do you mean he got? Oh, that he got dropped down. Yeah, the Yankees uh, sent him down in the middle of the draft. And so did he went, already bid on him. No, but at that point he could be bid on anymore. Like, I think once the draft starts, it's over. Like at one o'clock, whoever's up or down by one o'clock, let the guy in. But at two thirty-three, that you couldn't bid on him anymore. Retarded. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Do you want to hear the more dumb rules in this league? So you you have to have six starters and two closers. You must. If a guy's a closer. And he goes into the rotation. You have to have proof that he's in the rotation, and then you can move him to that. But then, if he's back in the bullpen, you have to move him back. Wait, like Ross Stripling, be, he has to be a closer or a reliever. A reliever. So Ross Stripling, you have to wait until he starts, then you can move him as a starter. But then, if he goes back to the bullpen, then he's got to be shifted back. So then you have to wait for the but official announcement. But he started last year. 
it doesn't matter. It, yeah, that, this, is, this the is, rules. is that's dumb. I mean, I have no problem with at least two of the pitchers being relievers. I do that in my league. I have no uh, problem with that. No, we have two, only two relievers. Only two. Six must starters, two only relievers. Not two must relievers, if that makes any sense. So it's six and two. So you can only use two relievers. Correct. Uh, yeah, I don't do that. Like Wait, it's, For me, it's four. I think it's four starters, two relievers, and then three any. Yes, exactly. Now, ready for the, the craziest rule. You're only allowed to bid on three players on Sunday. That's dumb, too. What if, you so have, let, what if you have a ton of injuries? I know, but you only bid on three players. So my very first year in the league, I told the commissioner, I said, if I don't go to, to get a guy, I'm going to come to your house and beat the crap out of you. I literally threatened to beat the crap out of him. This is true. I go, how could you not have an active roster? He goes, that's the rules of the league. I go, this is retarded. Yeah, those are rules. Once I hear those rules, I'm like, all right, I'm not playing in this league. I said that. This is it. This, I, I can't even believe they brought me back in. I'm so out. I'm so done. I'm calling. I'm, I'm doing it this year for my friend, and I'm leaving. It just, yeah. I'm getting broiled. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting upset already. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too many restrictions. I mean, again, this is supposed to be fun. Like you shouldn't have to have a, a book to know what the rules are. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's on page 56. Read rule 37B. It's like, what? Like this is supposed to be fun. I mean, obviously we do this because we want to win and we want to make money, of course, but there's supposed to be a fun element to this. And when you get so complicated that you got to go read the Constitution. It just gets too complex. I mean, the goal of this is is to be fun in the end. I mean, a lot of people do this. You know, obviously, you know, we take this a lot more seriously. Uh, this is something that we get to do full time, and we're going to be in a lot of leagues and industry leagues. So it's real important in, in winning and making extra income. But there's a lot of people who do one or two leagues just for fun, something to pass time, something to make baseball when they watch it more interesting. And when you have to complicate it and you just don't even know what the rules are, it just doesn't make it fun anymore. I, I know. And, and I, you know, I say this to you all the time. If you don't like the commissioner, don't do the league. Not the even commissioner's a commissioner. is a nice guy. No, if you don't like right. the rules, don't do the league. I've, I've don't always do said league. that. You know, right. you know, and we sit, look, and I, and I probably do this maybe too much. You know, it's like, oh, an eight-team league, ten-team league. Oh, my God, that's so shallow. And we get some of those questions on the message boards at scalfantasysports.com. We're sitting there like, how is this guy available? But I've always said if you have fun in the league, don't worry about what anyone else says. You know, we obviously cater to a very knowledgeable audience, but we're here for everyone. So even if you play in an eight-team league, ten-team, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, and you have fun, do it. But obviously, if you're listening to us and a subscriber, we feel like you should at least go in a bit more of an expanded league or at least expand the rosters because we're going to help you. We're going to give you a lot of information that maybe in a ten-team league, you can't take advantage of it as much. You can, but in a 12 or 15 team league, you're definitely going to gain an advantage. But the goal of fantasy is to have fun. So if you have fun in your 8, 10 team league, fine. But once it gets start getting complicated and you need a rule book and you don't know what the rules are, then it's just too much. I agree. But I also go back to other things that I was saying. If you don't, tr I mean, forget like, if you don't trust the, the commissioner's fair, don't be in a league. If you don't trust your fellow league mates, if you think that there's collusion, if you think somebody's shady, don't be in that league. If you feel like you don't like the rules, don't be in that league. There's no pressure. I think there's so many leagues out there that are available that you could always find another league. And, and I believe that. So, I mean, in this case, I, I think the commissioners are a great guy and the, the guys in the league are great. So it's, that's not in question. I, I don't like the rules. But I think, you know, there I've been in leagues before, Adam, where the, the commissioner's shady as heck. I can't be in that league, dude, because I don't trust them. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. You have to have trust in your commissioner. And, uh, you know, I commission at least one league every year for baseball, football, basketball, and it's always pretty smooth. And anyone who's played in my league could tell you that. You know, I pay people right away. Our basketball season ended yesterday. Those guys are going to get paid today. And I think over the years, I've really had just one major issue with a guy who was just an absolute lunatic. And uh, more than one person can confirm this, but the guy was just uh, a major problem and clearly had some uh, something wrong, some mental issues, or he just liked, liked to create trouble. But, you know, I've had people who are subscribers to Scout, listeners of our shows join and have had a good time. And a lot of people can say that. But, I, you know, I try to make it fun and run as smooth as possible for everyone because again it's we're here to have fun of course i want to win every league i'm in but it, the goal is you know to have fun and it creates a lot of friendships too i'm sure you have a lot of friends over the years just from fantasy i do uh, yeah for sure i mean you know my kids always joke i mean uh, like, daddy you have uh, uh, you know uh, twitter friends or you have uh, fantasy friends i'm like yeah but i've known them for so long that i consider them friends but you know i've run a, a football league since 2003, we, ne we never have problems. The baseball league, I was a commissioner. I had to quit because literally, Ronas, I had like 12 lawyers in there. There's nothing worse than a bunch of lawyers looking for loopholes in your league rules. That's the worst. Oh, trust me. I play in a league. My friend used to work at a law firm. He's an IT guy. He left, but we're still in the league. And I didn't even realize. He pointed it out to me recently that we've been in this league, I think, 13, 14 years. And We've won one title, but we went to the finals four years in a row and won once. We had a year where we had one loss in the regular season, and we didn't win the title. And whenever we want to change rules, they don't, they're they like, oh, Adam <laughs> wants to change. No, we don't want to do it. I had to fight tooth and nail just to get an extra flex. Finally got it done two years ago. Right. No, no. Dude, lawyers are – I mean, I had to have rules and loopholes, and I had to have legal, legal teams check my rules. It was, it was crazy. I couldn't handle it anymore. You're right. They're insane, man. <laughs> they really are. All right, we'll talk more fantasy baseball when Scout Fantasy Sports resumes right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631. 800-961-3631. 800-961-3631. 800-961-3631. Brain dance! 
Make it rain. What is next for Gronk? Is it acting? Is it the WWE? Is it him being in the television booth? Gronk is one of the few players that can do whatever he wants without subjecting himself to another back injury or another car crash. And I say, walk away. I don't care what Drew Rosenhaus says. You can get paid away from football, Gronk. You could do a residency on a cruise ship in Vegas. You could do anything, Gronk. How about you save your body so you can still earn money in 10, 15 years, Gronk? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here with Adam Ronis. And Ronis, baseball season starting this week. Do you have your Scout DFS membership ready? Yes, of course. Uh, you want to make sure that you're a part of it. The baseball team was crushing last year. Chris Rose went to the FanDuel final. So we got a great team with excellent content and more tools on the way. Yeah, and our optimizers been been outrageously good over the, over the past couple of seasons in multiple sports. I'll just say this, Ronis. I'm good in fantasy baseball, but I'm not consistently good, and that bothers me. Like, I, I should be in the money way more often than I am. Well, I'll have, like, blah, 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 great, bad, 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 great. You know what I mean? Where it's like every two weeks I'll hit, but I, I need to be more consistent. That's my goal this year. Yeah, of course. Everyone wants to. Uh, but, yeah, baseball can be tough at times. Uh, you know, a lot of... It's a tough sport, man. I mean, think about it. You know, one, if you get one hit and three at-bats, you're considered great. And, you know, Mike Trout on any given day can go 0 for 4. And uh, that's what makes it difficult. This is not like NBA, like, you know, James Harden. How often is he going to bust? Hardly ever. And if he does bust, what is his bad game? 50 fantasy points, you know? (laughs) Whereas Trout can give you a zero on any given day. And then some, you know, a backup infielder who starts can give you two home runs at a cheap salary. So it's, uh, it's, it's tough. All right. Speaking of tough, we had my first run of fab in labor last night. So mixed labor. And labor Chris, drafted in February, right? It did. It drafted in February. There had to be some really good players available. There were some decent ones. Not great because it was a lot of, uh, you know, it's a 15-team league and people are drafting, you know, sperm. But Chris Paddock was available, Ronas. Out of one hundred fantasy dollars, how much would you have spent? Uh, depends how much I need. He is going to open the year in a rotation. Uh, I think you would have probably needed to spend fifty to sixty percent. I don't know if I would have went that high. You are absolutely correct. He went for sixty-three dollars. But you only get 100 and you have to spend it in $1 increments. There's no zero. No zero. Yeah. Ugh. So I, I guess it depends on, like, how bad your roster is. You know, if you had a couple, say you drafted Lazardo and you had Gossman or you had Tuki Toussaint and he gets sent down, maybe that changes the bit a little bit. Uh, but it's crazy. Chris Paddock, and I wrote it today. I did an article on some spring notes, and it's up on the ScoutFantasySports.com right now. To me, probably no one's stock rose more than Chris Paddock in January and then FBC draft champions leagues. He was going like, you know, 35 round 35 or later, and maybe even more often later than round 40, because we didn't think he would be in the starting rotation to begin the season. And he's had a great spring. And I even wrote in the article today in tout wars on March 5th, I got him in round 23. 
I saw him go as high as round 10 in the NFBC main event. I know. And I, you, look, I don't blame somebody for trying to get the, you know, uh, lightning in a bottle, but you know, $63, it may turn out to be genius. You know, like Jose Fernandez a few years ago, but I was in at 17, and even at 17, I was you like— knew, You knew you weren't getting him at 17, right? I knew I wasn't getting him. I, I thought I'd have to be about 34 or 35. The second bid was 57, then it was 37. At least 37 made sense to me, but 63, man, your year's done if he's, if he's not Clayton Kershaw light. But here's an interesting thing that I want people to listen to that you brought up. So you knew you were not getting him. Always put in the bid. You never know. Maybe right. people missed the email. Maybe people forgot. Always put in the bid. And you're going to say, oh, it's a waste of time. I'm not getting him. You never know. It's happened to all of us where we go, wow, I did not expect to get him at that right. price. What happened? Just put in the bid. All it takes is... A few seconds, a couple minutes, just put it in. I put in so many fab bids every single week knowing that, okay, I'm not going to get a lot of these guys, but you never know what happens. But Paddock obviously has tremendous upside. He only threw 90 innings last year in the minors. He missed all of 2017. So even if he only goes 120, 130, they could be great innings, and that's the way baseball has changed. So I do think Paddock could be a difference maker for sure. Uh, and he is more than likely going to open the year in a rotation. I know he's pitching to today, so that puts him in line to start on Saturday for the Padres. So I do have him in uh, at least two leagues. Uh, I couldn't get him in an auction yesterday. The price was too high. Uh, now I'm going to give you another guy. Who this guy? Whoever bid on him? Oh, I know, I know who did it. But this guy just doesn't know how to bid. Brandon, I call him Low. What do you call him? It's Lau. That's how you pronounce Lau. it. Okay, yeah. Brandon Lau. How much would you have bid on him? Not a lot. I mean, I like him. He's going to get an opportunity to play every day. I actually drafted him uh, Tuesday night in the GST League. Uh, I wouldn't think he would go for more than 15. Okay, so this is when there's bad bidding because you can see the failed bids at RT Sports. The failed bids were 3 4 one, five, one, 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 three, three, three. The winning bid was 24. Yeah, I, I, 15, I only said 15 because the yeah. way you phrased it, I knew it was kind of high. But, yeah. Uh, look, they just signed him to a contract extension, but we know how the Rays are. They platoon quite a bit. Uh, I do think he gets the opportunity to play quite a bit. They obviously showed confidence in, that they signed him to the contract. He is a lefty. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think you go crazy. For me, this was Tuesday night, so this was before the A-Series, and it came, I was looking at it, and I said, all right, do I go with Lau or Chad Pinder? Because I feel like Pinder, if he oh, gets I the like opportunity. Pinder. I like Pinder. Yeah, but at the time, you know, this was before the Matt Olson injury. And I knew. And, and oh, I looked, okay. okay. Uh, yeah, this was Tuesday night. So we didn't know anything. Now, Pinder was in the lineup against the lefty, batting fifth to open the season. But this is a weekly league. And I said, okay, you know, Lau looks like he's on a better path to more consistent playing time. Now, with Matt Olson going down with the broken hamate bone and having surgery, Pinder is going to get more at bats. And we'll hit in a good spot in the lineup against lefties. So, uh, but I, I do like Lau. He's got a little pop. He's got a little speed. But that is definitely an overpay. But let me tell you, I got Josh Harrison for two bucks. Yeah, I mean Harrison is. I know Lau may be better, but, but I'm not spending twenty four dollars to get Lau when I can get Harrison for two. Yeah, Harrison's the boring veteran who can produce if he's healthy. He's going to hit leadoff for the Tigers. Miguel Cabrera's had a great spring, and I. Kept saying I was hoping to get one share. I couldn't get him yesterday. I have one more draft, so I'm hoping to get him because uh, he's tearing it up this spring, hitting over 300, OPS of over 1.1, five homers, I think 18 ribbies. 
uh, with him, Castellanos up there. You know, Harrison could score quite a, a bit of runs. Still has some speed. He didn't really run much last year, but he's a guy that can get you ten to twelve steals, score some runs. Uh, so yeah, he's one of, you know boring guy that you can plug in at your middle infield spot. Okay, so here's another one: Jung Ho Gung. How much would you have spent for him? Man, with his spring, he went probably way too high. Um, probably at eight to twelve. He went for fifteen. The next highest bid was three, and I was the th- one of the three dollar bids. Okay, yeah, he is someone. Man, I'm so glad. So that Thursday night auction that I did, right, uh, the GDD league with some industry people in it. I basically missed out on all, every third baseman. Like I wanted Escobar towards the end of Struble. I missed them all, so I reluctantly had to get Longoria at one in the reserve round. I took Gong. Uh, and this was two weeks ago before he really had the big spring. And thank goodness, because I'm going to use Gong now. Now, he leads the majors in home runs in the spring with seven, but he's striking out a lot. It's basically, I think, the last I checked, he only had home runs. He had no other hits, and he was striking out a lot. But we've seen him produce at the major league level before. He had 21 homers in 2016. He is going to start. So I think it is worth taking a flyer on. That's another guy whose stock has really risen as well because we didn't know what his role was going to be for Pittsburgh after uh, – being out of baseball for a little bit in the DUIs, but he is starting for them and definitely worth picking up if available. All right, next one here. How much do you think Sergio Romo went for? Three. Ten dollars. The next highest were seven, six, five, four, three, and three. I guess people think Romo's going to close for Miami. I think he is. Uh, Stecken Ryder, I don't think, is the guy. I think they're going to let Romo close, maybe try and trade him at the deadline, but the problem with that is... You know, in the past, I'll say, oh, I don't care if they're on a bad team. They're going to get save opportunities. But there are some really bad teams. Now, the Marlins do have an interesting pitching staff, although they did release Dan Straley today. But they do have some good arms. The problem is in the NL East, I mean, how many games are they going to win? I mean, you're going against some really good teams. And there could be weeks, if you're at a weekly league, where you put Romo in, and he pitches one inning or two innings. And then you have to worry about, all right, the Marlins are down – uh, 10-3 in the ninth. Oh, but we got to get Romo to work. And you know how that works with the closers when they're getting in work. A lot of times they get shelled. I, you know, maybe I don't understand baseball. And maybe Jim Bowden has to explain this to me. I'm the Marlins. I have no chance of winning. And I go and I spend on Romo because basically I'm going to end up keeping him for four months. And I'm going to trade him for a double-A player. I don't know. Am I, aren't I just better off letting Adam Conley and Stecken Ryder fight it out and using that money elsewhere? I, call me crazy. Do I really need a double A player that badly? Well, they didn't sign him for much. I think he only got like two and a half million. So it's not a lot of money. And you know, I think some of these teams, too, on the young teams, they do want a veteran or two there to kind of help the young player. So that's also what it could be part of. And, you know, you do hope to just trade them. I think you're going to see that with possibly Colome and Kelvin Herrera in Chicago if they fall out of it. So I think that's what a lot of teams do because they know that those bullpen arms become commodities down the stretch for the teams that are competing, whether it's an injury or a team realizes, hey, we can make a real good run, but we're going to need another bullpen arm here down the stretch. So uh, I understand why teams do it. I, I do. I, like I said, I, I like Conley. I want to see what this guy can do. But uh, I get the Romo thing. Let me give you another guy here. Dakota Hudson. Going to be in the rotation there. How much would you pay? I'm sure probably people paid a lot for him. I'm not as high on him as others. I just haven't seen the great strikeout levels from him. 
And I also don't know if he's a lock to keep that spot in the rotation because they have a lot of options there. So I personally wouldn't have spent a lot, but my guess is someone spent between 10 and 15 for him. Somebody spent $10, exactly. Eight was the next bid, then three, then one. Um, let's see. Tim Beckham went for five. Bryce Wilson went for five. The same team that spent for Brandon Lau went for, took Bryce Wilson, so he spent $29 already. Kyle Wright went for three. Jose Urena went for three. Lewis Brinson went for two. I should have bid three yeah. on that one. I think I like Brinson this year, Ronas. Well, he got off to a really hot start in the spring, and then he really struggled once again. He's striking out quite a bit. So I think the one thing we know, he is, is going to get playing time. He is a guy that has a lot of power and speed. I think he did make an adjustment with his batting stance, which seemed to help, but then he started slumping again. But for where he's going, it was worth a shot. I didn't get him anywhere, but certainly was open to it. But I do think you might see a, a real low batting average again. And with this lineup, the counting stats are a little bit of a concern. And the other guy that I made a mistake on, he went for $2. I should have bid maybe 2 Eric Lauer from the Padres, do you like him at all? Yeah, I do. He's going to start opening day. Uh, he's a lefty. So, yeah, I did put in a bid for him last night in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I did not get him. Uh, I didn't put in a high bid. Uh, I wound up getting Frankie Montas instead. But, uh, yeah, I do like Lauer. I like a lot of the San Diego pitchers. I think they're a team that, that could surprise. And as I've mentioned many times, I think they are going to be aggressive. We could see Fernando Tatis up early. But, uh, that's another, I mean, Paddock is a guy that is really seen a stock rise. And Matt Strom, who, again, I got Tal oh. Wars in round 25 on March 5th. He went in the Ultimate League uh, where the buy-in was $5,000 a, a week ago in like around 10 or 11. I was like, wow. And, you know, the biggest concern with him, like most of these guys, is how many innings can he throw. But he's got the nasty slider. He's always had the good stuff. And he's looked really good this spring. So, Padres do have some intriguing arms. Lauer's one of them that has probably gone under the radar a little bit. Uh, I am surprised that they're starting him opening day, but sure, I think he was a guy that people picked up over Fab this weekend. Well, I was just going to ask you, we have a rule in labor here that it's much like tout. When you get a guy, you have to play him. You have to start him for the week. So I picked up Yolmer Sanchez because I had three guys in the DL on us, right? So I picked up Yolmer Sanchez, Josh Harrison, and Diego Castillo. I mean, really spent very little on these guys, but I got to start them. So, I mean, do you like that rule? You know, at first I didn't, but it is interesting. And, you know... It does make you think because if you're trying to stash someone, you know, you're like, oh, do I put him in and I get a zero for the week? But obviously you could pay off down the road. So um, it's not something I would employ if I was the commissioner, but I actually really don't have that big of a problem with it because it really – it's strategy. It makes you think. It's like, oh, do I, is it really worth picking up this guy? Because say it's a starter or say you're looking for a two-start week down the road, you have to really think about it. You're like, okay, do I – take a zero this week or damn he's pitching in cores this week but then he has two starts the following week if i get him now he's cheap or if it's a prospect you're stashing so it makes you think so well it's funny you said that because a lot of times in tout i would do it for the, this week let's say right because i knew the guy would have two starts the following week and i'd get a discount on him this week right because he would be let's say a wednesday start but then the next week i knew i would get two starts out of him right you just have to hope that the one start is not a bad matchup and he doesn't get bombed uh, in a head-to-head -head league, though, I think it's a little bit easier to digest because, again, if he does have a bad week, all right, fine, it's a race from the record. You start fresh the following week. Roto League, it's a little bit more difficult. But, you know, a lot of people do that in the high-stakes leagues. Is You know, they're, you got to be, and we've talked about this in fantasy football a lot, you got to be two, three weeks ahead of the curve, and you got to look ahead 
And a lot of people do that. They'll see the two-start week coming uh, the following week, and they're like, all right, let me pick up the guy now. Because if you wait, then everyone sees the two-start that Sunday night, and then the bidding becomes higher. Right. No, people are people are very clever. I find that in football, do you find that predicting guys' future is easier in football or baseball? You know how in football you have to like be three weeks ahead of the curve, which is almost impossible? I mean, do you feel that's it's equally as hard in baseball? Probably, because most of the time it's really injury-related. It's, you know, this guy is really talented, but he's going to need an injury, like a Jose Martinez for the Cardinals. I mean, the problem with him is, you know, he's a horrible defender. And obviously with Goldschmidt at first base, that eliminates first base. So, okay, is he going to get an opportunity in the outfield? They have Dexter Fowler there, who they're paying a lot of money, who has not been great. Tyler O'Neill, who obviously has big-time power but strikes out a bit. And you're like, Martinez should play. And they just signed him to a, a contract. And you're just sitting there like, okay, so what do I do? Do I hold on? How long, how long do I hold on? So I think a lot of times in baseball, it's just you know trying to predict the injuries. Football, it's opportunity. Like we talked about Nick Chubb. We all knew how good he was. And we see Carlos Hyde there. I didn't care. I still drafted Chubb eighth, ninth, tenth round. And fortunately, I hung on to him in every single league. Did I think Carlos Hyde was going to be traded? No, but I held on to him knowing that, hey, running back is a position where injuries happen. And you know, things can change quickly. So, uh, so uh, a lot of times it's just kind of waiting for the opportunity for players. See, see, it's funny you said that. I was thinking about that. In football, if Carlos Hyde has a bad game, it makes me say, hey, who's the second or third string guy there? In baseball, the guy could go 0 for 10 that week. It doesn't make me think he's coming out of the lineup. Yeah, depending on who the player is. Uh, obviously, if they're established, starter, it doesn't matter. Everyone goes through peaks and valleys. If it's someone who maybe just won a job in the spring, maybe it's a little bit different. Like last year, like a Scott Kingery. I mean, you know, he got signed, but everyone was excited, but he wasn't that good. And you're like, okay, this this is a guy that can lose some playing time. Yeah, that, no, that's true. I think, well, we get excited about guys. I think in baseball we get excited about these rookies, but most of the time you're right. You really need an injury for a guy to get an opportunity. Where in football, obviously you need the injury, but sometimes they just get out, they fall, the coaches fall out of love with them. And especially closers, like we're like, oh, this guy has the best skill set, and the manager doesn't name him the closer, and we're sitting there like he should close, but he doesn't never gets the opportunity. No, it's so true. By the way, I got a text, Ronas. Andy's ready for our draft tonight. He's putting on his Jordash and Benetton right now. Oh boy, what pick you guys have? We don't know yet because the oh, league's yeah, not filled. Not okay. But it's down to three teams. It was it'll, at six when, the, when we started. They always it fell. I know they always do. All right, we're gonna come back. Gronk is retiring. What do we say about that? We'll let you know when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor. Nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. 
proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Roto Experts. The pitch in Philadelphia, you need to be great to really survive that ballpark. You know, Nola is that pitcher. He'll, I think he can survive the ballpark. You know, Max Scherzer type to ground. They, they can survive any ballpark where they'll be okay here. I don't know if Pinnetta is that kind of pitcher. So his ERA, his ratios are always going to suffer a little bit because of the ballpark he plays in. You know, so uh, that's that's a problem for me. You know, that's just a problem. That's why he goes where he goes. Sundays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. By the way, with all 30 Major League Baseball teams playing this Thursday, it's time to swing for the fences, playing Daily Fantasy Baseball with DailyRoto.com, who is looking to make someone their eighth millionaire winner. If you're playing MLB DFS on DraftKings or FanDuel and not using DailyRoto.com to help set your lineups, you're doing it wrong. So enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount, and you'll get lineup alerts and weather updates, fantasy projections, and the use of lineup optimizers that has already produced millions in winnings. I need millions, Ronas. That's a 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use the promo code FNTSY and get your special discount today. That is Dink and Mike Leone. They do a very good job, Ronas. Yes, they do. I've known those guys for a while now, and uh, they always always perform well and put in a lot of work. Yeah, they do. All right, let's talk about guy who won't be coming to work next year. Rob Gronkowski, it looks like he is uh, going to be retired. But there's just some report recently where they're like, well, if Brady calls Gronk up and says, I need you, dude, can you get out here? Maybe he won't fully be retired. Drew Rosenhaus is saying that. We thought he was going to be retired. We thought this was the perfect time. Going to WWE, going to Hollywood. You don't need it. You just retire in a Super Bowl. I don't know, the whole Robert Kraft thing going on. Maybe it's just adios and River Derchi and your first round, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I thought all along, all season, I thought that he would retire. I had no doubts in my mind. It just made perfect sense. This guy's body has taken a beating. He's had back injuries going back to college, surgery on his back. He had the torn ACL, the forearm. He just had so many injuries. So for me, I was like, he, it makes sense, especially since they won the Super Bowl. He made that big catch to set up uh, the go-ahead or you know, game-clinching touchdown. Uh, and the thing about Gronk, and I think many people know, but maybe not enough know, he has not spent any of the salary he's made in the NFL. All the money he has spent has been endorsements, and he's had quite a few. He's done commercials. He has a book out. He had that cruise party. so And a Shark know, Tank thing. His brothers were doing a shark. They had some Shark Tank thing. So, yeah, I mean, product. I think he has about 55 to $60 million in NFL salary that he's never spent, reportedly. Uh, so, obviously, he's been smart about it. And, you know, right now it's about his body, man. And he's a big guy. He takes a lot of big hits. He's a great blocker, so it's a lot of contact. I guess the thing that you don't know with these athletes is they all go kind of through some withdrawal when – they retire. So he's probably happy with the decision now. Maybe it changes come yeah, but, but there's a di- But there's a difference, I think, and I'm going to tell you why. This is a guy that can go to the WWE and get into WrestleMania. 
he can find, he can go to Hollywood and be in Predator 18. You know, he could get his, a lot of guys can't, can't find vehicles to get their adrenaline out. I think he can, Adam. Oh, easily he can. He's got the personality. He can do so many different things. I mean, the WWE, yes, it's not real, but those guys, their bodies take a beating too because they perform consistently. Now, I think he would be a guy where he doesn't have to be there every week. Right, three times a year. He signs a three times a year contract and fights in the big, you know, SummerSlam and WrestleMania and one other big one. Yeah, and maybe he enjoys it so much, but you never know, though. He might sit there in July or August and be like, man, I really miss being around my teammates. I mean, it's the Patriots. They win all the time. So it's possible, but for me, it doesn't make sense because his body, I mean, you saw it last year. He was wearing down. So there's so many ways he can make money and still be in the spotlight outside of the NFL. So my guess is he doesn't return, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, Jason Witten came back. <laughs> so and Jason Witten's old as hell. So that made I, honestly that that made much less sense to me than Gronk. Gronk coming back makes way more sense. Witten Witten was so bad, dude, in the booth. I mean, that was really hard to watch. So I guess maybe he just felt like I, I don't want to sit at home and I'm really sucky as an announcer, even though I think that ESPN would have kept him. Yeah, uh, and you know, again, Witten still, as slow as he is, he finds a way to get open. It's amazing what he has done. But, you know, Gronk, maybe he says, you know what, I don't want to deal with the offseason. I don't want to go through training camp. And then all of a sudden, September, October comes, and he goes, you know, I kind of have an itch to come back. All I got to do is play half the year. Is it po It's possible. I wouldn't roll it. You, we just don't know how guys feel. You know, it's easy for us to say, Come on, what are you doing? You have money, you won Super Bowls, but there's some competitiveness inside where he might just be sitting home September, October and say, you know what? I've stayed in shape. I'm still in good shape. I eliminate training camp. I eliminate the offseason. You know, I kind of want to come back. And, you know, with Tom Brady, too, I mean, you know, the, the relationships those guys have developed. So would I be surprised? No. But Gronk should stay retired. There makes no sense for him to come back. Why put your body through that? And well, you know, his mother lives in Southwest Florida, so she lives. Maybe yeah, I visited her a few times. Did you? Yeah, she's about ten nah. minutes from my house. <laughs> yeah. So you know, they always like show her on the local news. You know, what does Rob Gronkowski's mother think about this? You know, and we're like, it's like really, we have nothing better to talk about down here. But I I'm with you. I but I also think that the Patriots didn't do a good enough job. I know they were in on Jared Cook, but they didn't sign him. But wait, I did see, is that official, that contract signing? Because I think a lot of people are speculating. Because I think Cook made the decision. It's so funny. Cook was like, yeah, it seems like they're leaning towards Gronk, so I'm going to go to the Saints. And then, like, a day later, yeah, I'm retiring. <laughs> so It says that he's still, that the door is open, but now Peter King's saying he will not reconsider his decision. I, look, I, I think if there's ever a year for Gronk to leave, this TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, are really good. Hawkinson especially, really good. I don't know if the Patriots are willing to move up for him, but they should. That guy can play. Yeah, we know the Patriots. They'll, they'll probably figure it out. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? This is a good tight end year. This is not a good running back year, not a great receiver year, but there's like three or four tight ends that could be first-rounders, dude. Yeah, so it's a good, good timing that they, you know, pro they're probably definitely eyeing and looking to get one or two. 
Right. So that, that, that seems to be the plan. But I thought that was really big news. Now, you know what the other big news that, that I'm seeing here? Did you read that thing about uh, Mara talking about trading Odell and it was hard? Did you read that article? I did not. Oh, my God. They're talking about him. He's like, yeah, the, trading him was a football decision. We really think we could win with Eli. Everybody asks us what the plan is, and the plan is to win. And I'm like, who is talking to you? Who is giving you advice? Because you're getting the worst advice. Is Gettleman the only guy talking to you? I find it hard to believe that an owner does not listen to any sports talk radio because I've got to believe his team is getting hammered by every single human being out there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard for them to go out there. Yeah, we plan to lose this and that, especially in New York with the Giants. But it's clear to see that they really don't have a plan. Well, I guess they're going to say, well, we're trying to win. We got Golden Tate, you know, but there's just not a good football team. They lost so many good players, and that's why people are so upset. It's like, what is the plan? You know, you went out and signed Beckham and then said, we're not going to trade him, and then you go trade him. So that's the biggest problem I think that fans have. And then you pay $37 million. Then you don't sign Collins, who's 26. Then you sign Tate, who's 30-something, for 30-something million, who's 30-something years old. It, you know, people, I think people could get behind a plan, Adam, if there was one. But there doesn't seem to be one. No, there doesn't. I mean, it's clearly obvious. They just are not sure what they're doing, and they're trying to – it feels like they don't want to – you can't say you're rebuilding with Eli Manning as your quarterback. That's the biggest problem. You went out and paid, picked up the extension. You can't say you're rebuilding. And Tate. Don't tell me you're rebuilding with Tate and Eli. Get rid of them both. Start over. Do what the Knicks are doing. Look, at least the Knicks are pretty obvious by saying, we suck and we're going to start over. Oh, it's clear. I mean, Fisdale just keeps changing the rotations every single night. You have no idea who's going to play. You'll see one guy put up 40 fantasy points and play 32 minutes. The next night he plays eight minutes. So they are a team that I've basically stayed away from. I've pretty much been betting against the Knicks every night as well. Uh, had the Clippers yesterday. They covered. So uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing at this point. You know, there was a period where the Knicks were playing competitive basketball and keeping it close. But at this point, it's just But it shouldn't bother hammered. a Knicks fan. No. Because I mean, a Knicks they know fan what, knows. They right, know what exactly. they're you should not be upset, and I think you knew the whole year what the plan was. They were obviously trying to free up some salary cap space. You know, you hope to get the number one pick or have a great shot at it, which they will, even though the lottery has changed. Where I think it's 13.1% chance for the top three with the worst record, which they'll be in, and then you hope to sign two big free agents. So at least the plan was in place and the tanking was worth it, whereas the Giants are kind of straddling the fence here we all know what they should do, but they're trying to make it seem like, oh, well, we still have a shot. We got Eli. He can still play. We got Golden Tate. So I think that's the biggest problem. And uh, most Giants fans I know are pretty upset. Yeah, I just, I, I just feel like every team, no matter what the sport, you got to have an identity. You got to know who you are. You got to go with the plan. Now, look, if I'm the Patriots, I want to sign Jared Cook. I have Tom Brady for, what, two, three more years tops. Well, he that, thinks 10, but. Right. I'll give you two or three. <laughs> He'll play to his 50. But, you, you know, I, got, I have a window, right? And my window is going to close. Eli Manning's window is already closed, dude. Tom Brady's has it. You want to sign Jared Cook if you're the Patriots? That makes sense to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because they feel like they still have a shot to win again. And, you know, at some point it is going to, to close. But. You know, Gronkowski was such a great tight end, man. I mean, we're going to look back and we're going to miss him. Um, you know, just appreciate everything that he did. And I know fantasy last year was a very, 
inconsistent year, but that guy put up some monster numbers. He was fun to watch, too. He was a fun player, great personality, and, uh, you know, he'll be missed. You know, my dad's very close friend growing up was a guy named John Mackey. You know that name? Yeah, yeah. All right, so my dad and John Mackey were like best friends in, you know, middle school. And John Mackey changed the sport because he was became one of the first athletic tight ends, right, that, you, that we know of today. I think Gronk changed the sport as well at the position. I mean, tight ends were not offensive threats like Gronk before Gronk. I, and I, look, I'm trying to think in my head. There was Mark Bavaro who was good. You know, Dave Casper. There were some good Jay Novacek. I'm not saying there weren't good players, but nobody was Gronk. No, he was dominant, man. And you just felt like you couldn't stop him when he was peak and he was on. I remember, I think it was his rookie year. I had uh, the league that... It was a non-PPR league, and we had no flex. And I had Graham and Gronk, and I was trying to decide who to start every week. I tried to make a trade, but, you know, you couldn't get a fair offer. I said, all right, I'm going to keep both. And it was just uh, Gronk was just so dominant uh, week in, week out. And uh, it, it was fun to have him uh, on your fantasy team. I did a few times. You know, I didn't – I didn't. Li- I think that might have been one year I took him late first round. I, actually I, I almost never had Gronk, to be honest with you. In nine years, I think I had him – Maybe once. Well, I had him his rookie year. He was cheap. No one knew about him. Um, and he wasn't expected to to perform like he did. So I think he was my backup tight end. And obviously had to work his way into the lineup. I did take him this year in our Scout Fantasy online championship out in Vegas. I didn't want to take him anywhere. And I said, ah, you know how it is when we play in a lot of leagues. You know what? Let me switch it up. What if Gronk has a big year? And I took him on the 2-3 turn. And immediately I'm like, why did I do that? And obviously throughout the season, uh, it was very frustrating. I still won the league somehow, but I did not want to take him at all. I just decided, you know what, let me be different. What if he has a huge year? If it's his final year? What if he scores 12 touchdowns and dominates? And I should have known, and uh, it's another example of kind of just stick with your original thoughts. You know, I know we want to diversify, but I I didn't want Gronk all all along. I think I had Gronk on two teams this year out of like 15, but I'll tell you this. Do you remember when we partnered in that um, fantasy football festival tournament? Years ago in Atlanta. Years City. ago. Yeah. And Jim and Taz took Gronk at like the sixth overall pick. Yeah. And I was like, really? I didn't see that. And then Taz goes, how many guys do you know that are going to get double-digit touchdowns? And I was like, kind of made sense to me at that point. I never even thought about Gronk in that respect. Because I always thought, oh, Tony Gonzalez, right? He was a, he was a fantastic tight end. He was never a first round pick to me, right? But I guess Gronk wasn't in a non PPR. <coughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the the problem is is that he didn't have well in a non PPR. It's easier to make an argument in a PPR. He just never had the receptions and the volume that the elite receivers did. So as good as he was, now you could say, well, he separates himself from the position, and that's going to be something that we talk about when we get into fantasy football. You know, the position is so bad. How do we value, you know, Travis Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz? Because they are going to be so far superior to a lot of the tight ends. And it's going to be an interesting discussion when we get into that this year. Don't you think it's going to push those guys way, way up? It will. It has to. I mean, Kelsey's got to go in the second round, right? And you figure Kittle and Ertz, third round. And you have to decide, is it worth it to take at that price? Um, Obviously, if they stay healthy and put up similar numbers to what they did last year, you're going to want them. I mean, because you got... You got to look. I mean, one of my teams that I won a championship, I had Kelsey at tight end. Um, I had Gronk in the online league that I won for Scout. Um, in your leagues that you won, who were your tight ends? 
Was it a little bit of weak ones, a little bit of dominant? I had Ebron in one. Okay, see, see that was a either, yeah, it was a backup tight end that you talked. Yeah, I had Ebron. And I don't know who the other one. No, the other one was Ertz. Ertz and Ebron. Okay, see, that's the key is like, okay, the, we know there's always going to be a tight end that emerges off the waiver wire every year. The key is can you find them or will you draft them? Now, with Ebron, you did. Can you do it again next year? <laughs> you know, it's difficult. I better. But, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's so funny you said this because I, I, I wrote many times this year that my job was to find this year's Zach Ertz. And I knew I had him with George Kittle, but I backed away at the end because of the shoulder injury during training camp. Yeah, and that I, was lo- I loved Kittle, too. My mistake, Ronus. I, sh- I panicked about the shoulder. Big error. But my job this year is to find this year's George Kittle. Yeah, it's the same thing like in baseball where we're looking for like the next Blake Snell, next Blake trying and then you know what? Some years, there's no one. No one's going to emerge to that level. Or nobody named Blake. I mean, Kittle, I mean, to find the next George Kittle to put up the numbers he did, that's going to be really difficult at the tight end position. I, I think it's virtually impossible. Yeah. I mean, we'll be looking for it. We'll be trying to find it, draft that guy, you know, late and hope he emerges. So, But then no. the problem, the, you know what the problem is? You're lo- always searching so hard for that guy and you're making reasons why a guy is going to be that guy. And oftentimes he's not that guy. Right. You, I agree. You're trying to justify it and then you start reaching and, well, look at his metrics. And, well, he in the four games he played last year, he averaged five catches per game. And you know that it doesn't translate over a whole season. So I think that's probably what a lot of people are doing this year, too. I think with those baseball guys is they're you know trying to reach. And we feel like there's always going to be that player. But how can anyone do what Blake Tronin did last year? I mean, the guy was virtually unhittable. Well, it's so funny you said that. I just got a tweet from our, our friend Dirty Vegas. He says, uh, can Freddie Peralta be this year's Walker Bueller? Right, that $2 pitcher that turns into a $20 one. And he's like, his whip isn't that bad. His, uh, the area is okay. I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know about that. But, you know, it's, it's literally what we're talking about. Everybody's looking for this year's Walker Bueller. Uh, I like Freddie Peralta. You know, I kind of backed off. But then he got named to the starting rotation. I took him in the reserve round of the NFBC Auction League, along with Corbin Burns. Uh, so that one of those guys could really hit. Uh, Peralta doesn't throw hard, but he's got a fastball that moves. The whip is a concern. I know he mentioned because the walks are still high, uh, but he's got a dynamic arm. He has 18 strikeouts in over 10 innings. I just wrote a little bit about him today on uh, ScoutFantasySports.com. Uh, he had a 12.5% walk rate last year, but the Ks are there. He's got a good team. And again, another guy that doesn't really need to go deep into games, although that bullpen has taken a little bit of a hit with Corey Knable, I would think out for the year. It's not official yet, but it's oh, not he's, sounding he's good done. with his elbow. Yeah, but, but, I mean, it just was a prime example of always trying to find the next guy, right? We're always looking for the next guy. Yeah, and look, you're, you're taking shots in those final rounds, and a lot of them won't pan out. You might cut them, but you're hoping that you hit on one. All right, who do you have next hour, Adam? Uh, I got Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm coming up at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. All right, guys, there you have it. This is Dr. Otto saying be well, take care. Keep it right here for another hour of Scout Fantasy Sports, and we're back right after this.